The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Amen. Amen. Hey, we're going we're gonna to dive right in today. We've been talking about the, this, this idea of ancient paths, right? In other words, this idea of, of spiritual disciplines. And, and we've looked at a whole bunch of them, right? We, we've looked at, at uh, these Bible disciplines and prayer disciplines. And we've looked at uh, like rest disciplines and retreat disciplines. We've looked at active disciplines. And, and, uh, and, and last week, this, this discipline of silence and, and solitude. But today, I want to talk about a discipline that that's maybe feels a little bit different. And that is the community disciplines. Now, before we get into it, um, I, I want to make sure that we are, we're approaching it correctly. You know, when I, when I talk about community disciplines, um, a lot of us, there, and a lot of us, we, we have these, not a lot, a lot of us, all of us have different expectations and pictures in our head of what community ought to look like, right? That's just normal. We've got, when you say community, there's something that pops into your head. And for every single one of us, it's going to be a little bit different. We're going to have a little bit of a different take and a little bit different expectations. And then when you start, start talking about church community, there's maybe for some, there's a whole different set of expectations, what that looks like. And so anytime that we're in any kind of setting like this, where we talk about community, it's really, really easy for us to jump into like those expectations that we have, what community ought to look like, and then hold everything that is taught and all the scripts that were to, to, to support what I feel like my expectations of community ought to look like. And so what I end up doing is I sit here and, and while, while truth is being talked about and the word is being talked about, I hold it up to everybody else but myself. And I'm gonna be honest, I've done it, right? Oh yeah, that, that part really connects with my values and that part, but I, I, I wanna challenge us, right? This is what happens when we, when every, let's just imagine every single one of us is taking that approach. Every single one of us is going like, oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold this up to everybody else and not see it for myself. What happens is everybody just gets frustrated, right? But what happens when I as an individual begin to be challenged with maybe some, some areas or aspects of my own life that I could grow in elements of community, rather than holding it up to everybody else, I hold it up to myself and say, you know what? I can't do anything about what everybody else does, but I can do something about the way that I live my life. And I'm gonna take some healthy steps in my life towards some disciplines that are gonna lead me in the direction of community. Now, what happens if every single one of us begins to take those steps? What happens to the community? We grow. So let me just challenge you. We're talking about community disciplines but we're applying them to me. I'm mean, to to you, like right. Don't just all apply them all to me, okay? Like that guy, man. No, to to yourself, right? And that's so that's where we're gonna go with this. Like we're talking about community, but it, it, community starts with me. So since it starts with me, let me let me just talk about me for a little bit. That's not a very good community thing to do, but that's what I'm gonna do, okay? Because you know what I. I, I I really desire in my life, something I really long for, something I really want, um, this, this internal craving that I have, I, I want to be seen. I, I have this desire, and sometimes it feels 
selfish, but it, I think it's more than just ego. I, I want to be recognized. I'll be honest. When you're in a crowd, when I, I'm not even talking about you. I'm talking about me. When I'm in a crowd and somebody uses my name, Sean, I feel good. I, uh, something when I, to just know that I'm seen. But if I were to take it a step further, like I, I have this desire within me to belong, for acceptance, to feel like I'm not on my own, to feel like I'm a part of something. And then if I were to take it one more step, honestly, I, I, I really have a desire to be known. I want somebody to, to be able to see me in, a, in my raw, unpolished state and still love me and value me and accept me. I, I, I want someone, sure, not everyone, but someone, maybe a few someones, to see the real me, no masks, to see the messy me, yeah, the part that still sins, the part that does stupid stuff and not lead with judgment, but just kind of like accept me. Somebody that I can trust to speak confrontational truth to me that I'm not going to bristle because they love me first. Anybody else have the same kind of desires? You don't have to raise your hand. I know you do because you're human. We can go to any culture, any country, any time frame, any nationality from the biggest cities to the smallest villages and tribes. Every person, nearly every person that you talk to is going to in some way feel these internal things like this need to be seen, this need to belong, and this need to be known. This is our human condition. And, 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 and again, when I say known, I mean like known in a capacity where I'm still loved even when you see the ugly parts of me. You know what I mean? And you know why I know this? Is because that we were created in the image of God. And God designed you to exist in community and in, 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 in the way that he designed it within the community of God's people. Like, before we ever hear teaching on the Trinity, Jesus, the, the Father, the, 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 the Jesus, or G, the God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, before we see any teaching on that, we find in creation, God, the one God, singular God, says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Like, God has always existed in community. I don't, it, it's a mystery. I don't, I, I don't ask me to, to describe it any further because I don't really know. It's part of the mystery of who God is. But he exists in community in and of himself. And he designed us in his image in that same likeness. And so internally, we have these, these, these human needs, these longings to be seen, to belong, to be known. Can I tell you this, though? This isn't just a pipe dream. 
I think in the community that we live in today, in the society that we live in today, sometimes we have these desires, but we think like these things are never actually going to be fulfilled. Like there's nobody that can, or we search for that one person, that one person can just, if I can find that, that soulmate, that maybe all of this. But let me just tell you this much. I've seen this at play and it, there's nothing like it. I've got people in my life who know me even when I'm not on my A game. <laughs> or not, I feel like I'm not even playing the game at all. And there's nothing in the world like it. See, that's how God designed us to be his children. We've been talking about this in our, in our house churches. If you've been a part of it, we've been, we've been going over this since we started house churches. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. But I want to read it for us this morning. It's a snapshot of the church right after the church was born. Christ ascended to heaven. The Holy Spirit came, empowered his people. The church exploded. They began meeting all over the place, and God was doing work. And I want you to get this picture. Was it perfect? No. Did they have problems? Yeah. But here was the foundation of the church as it was born. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47 says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Notice this. We're going to read something really, really rich, really, really cool. But the first sentence of this is not like, this just magically happened because they said a prayer and I invited Jesus into the life. No. It says, what we're about to read, the life that they lived was a result of a life devoted to some very specific things disciplined around a few areas. They found these spiritual paths, these ancient paths, and they devoted themselves, they gave themselves to them, and watch what happens. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. In other words, the Spirit of God was working among them. All the believers were together and had everything in common. I mean, this is crazy. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Some of us are like, oh, go to church every week. They met every day. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. There's this community that was formed at the beginning. And this is what God intends for us. Not just Crossroads Church, but that's part of it. I believe this, this community can be found in a variety of different environments. I believe the Church of Lincoln is, is a community. I believe that Crossroads Church is a community. I believe, this is why we, we believe you should be in a house church. Because it is a smaller community where there's even greater opportunity to be seen, to belong, and to really be known. And then even beyond our, our house church, we've got these pockets of, of close, close friends. But it seems like everywhere we look, that people are just starving for relationships today, doesn't it? The studies have show like loneliness and depression are just skyrocketing right now. Because here's the challenge, is that the values of culture do not naturally align themselves with the godly or the biblical picture of community. And they rarely ever have. The values of culture do not naturally align themselves with godly biblical community. And so here's my tendency. My tendency is to judge culture 
and make exceptions for myself. Right? I, you, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. We're not talking about you. You don't do that. Clearly, you don't do that. I do that, okay? Let me, let me paint a quick picture for you. So I walk into a, a restaurant, and I see a table of six adults all sitting there, no one making eye t- contact, nobody looking, because they're all doing what? They're on their phones. You've seen the same picture, okay? They're all on their phones. And I keep on going. I just walk in the restaurant. I see them. And I keep on going. I see this, this family of four in a booth, mom and dad, a couple of kids. Nobody's making eye contact. Nobody's making conversation because they're what? They're all on their phones. And so very self-righteously, I walk in and I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot even believe these people. This is so sad. And I begin to go through this like commentary on society in my own head, right? And then my wife and I sit down and for, for a date and, and we're sitting there and we're across the table from each other and we're just looking lovingly and it's really beautiful. And, and, and we're having this wonderful time. And then we're planning on seeing a movie after, the, after dinner. And so we're, we're talking about like, hey, what time did it, was it? 8.15 or 8.30? What the, shoot, what time did it start? And so what does my wife do? She pulls her phone out. And so she's like, hey, let me look it up. Now, I'm, I'm a good husband, so I put my phone on vibrate when I, I, oh, shoot, it's vibrating right now. That's funny. Okay. I put my phone on vibrate before um, I go on a date. And so, you know, but I noticed that it vibrated when we were walked in, but I have tons of self-control, so I didn't look at it, obviously. And, but now that she's on her phone, I mean, so I might as well just see what it was. And so I check, oh, I'll just, quick response. So she finds out what time the movie is. She looks up and I'm on my phone. So she's like, you know what? My phone buzzed a little bit ago too. I'm going to go ahead and just respond to this real quick. Now, now another couple walks into that same restaurant and they're like, oh my goodness, there's a table of six and no one's looking at each other and a family of four. Look, there's a couple on a date that aren't even looking at each other because they're looking at their phones. And I'm just like, dang, right? And I I share that because here's our human tendency. We judge the culture and we make exceptions for ourselves because I never look at my phone without a good reason, but everybody else is probably just doing horrible, ungodly things on there. I actually talked to, uh, talked to Justin Reed after church last week, and he was like, we were talking about silence and solitude. He's like, hey, this is part of my silence and solitude. He leaves his phone, guys, this is going to blow your minds. He leaves his phone at home when he goes to church on Sunday. Now he has to like awkwardly make conversation with humans in front of him. So weird. Hey, I want to, before we get into like what a picture of, of biblical godly community looks like, I think it's really a good idea to understand the things that are working against it in our own culture. So let me just talk, we're going we're gonna to get to some biblical principles, but let me just talk about our culture here really quick. There are, th- I just want to hit on, there's a lot, but there are three cultural values that work against biblical community in a regular basis that we face all the time. Listen, these are not evils, they're just not helpful to what we're trying to accomplish, okay? I want you to know, I'm not dogging anything I'm about to talk about right now, we just need to be aware that the culture we live in today is not going to naturally produce the community results that we're looking for, okay? So here's three cultural values that we just need to just just be aware of. I'm not, okay, just be aware of. Um, The first one is this, is that friendship is an elementary pursuit. Um, And what I mean by this is like when when you're little, friendship is everything. Your best friend is everything, 
right? And, and, you know, there are parents that'll move their kids into a different school in order to find those right friendships. And you're like, hey, you do whatever you want. For, you do everything you can to get your friends connected or your kids connected with the right friends and all these types of things. And, 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 then, like, and then you go to college or, or maybe it's just through high school and it's all about relationships, 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 relationships. And then you get a job and now I'm too mature to make any decisions based on what my friends are doing. Because now I'm just going from relationally driven existence to production driven existence. And that's just what is normal. It's normal, but it's not healthy. It's also producing a culture of depressed and lonely people. You need friends. That doesn't make you weak, it makes you human. You need community. That doesn't make you an adolescent. It makes you like your creator. Be aware that just because it is not normal to make decisions, to revolve your life around your relationships with your friends and people in your community, that doesn't mean it's not right. You need it. We are starving ourselves from the community we desire because we feel like it is what is socially normal. Let's be, let's be on our guard. Here's the second cultural value uh, that, that works against biblical community, and that's digital community. Digital community. Listen, I'm, I'm on social media. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Now, if you make a Facebook post and you expect that it is information that I have now received, that's probably not accurate. I'm not on there a lot, but I'm on there. Like They're not evil. And, and in fact, I would say that social media is a great tool to stay connected to people who are far from you. Uh, it has wonderful uh, tools and, and, and assets and aspects of it. Uh, we communicate like Crossroads events on there. And different, there's, there's some wonderful things that you can do with social media. It is a terrible substitute for relationships, though. And we all know that, but we, we, we let that, 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 that subtly seek in and seep in. And I'm just, I, I just want to guard us, warn us. I'm not saying cancel your... Okay, some of you need to. And, and you think, I'm, I'm kidding, but if you know an alco, former alcoholic, you're going to tell them to stay out of a bar. If, if you're a social media addict, you need to delete your accounts for the same reason. Anyway, that was freebie. Um, here's why it's dangerous. And again, it's not bad, just dangerous. Um, it's dangerous because it gives you the feeling of community without the actual benefits of community. It, it allows you to feel like you've had a conversation with someone that you've never had a conversation with. It allows you to get just the periphery of relational warm fuzzies without the depth of any actual relationship. There's no looking in somebody's eyes there's, there's no context in voice. There's no being in the same room, which is, I don't know, how God designed relationships to work. So just be careful. Sometimes we can feel warm and fuzzy after we've had digital community. And, it, and, and it's, again, don't get me wrong, it's fine. But guard yourself. Sometimes we, we, we feel all warm and fuzzy, and we feel like we've talked to somebody when we actually haven't talked to them in who knows how long, Right? So just, not bad. We'll just be aware 
of the cultural values. And again, everything right now, digital community and Zoom and do, and I have some great Zoom communities that are fantastic, but they're definitely not as good as the ones that I have face-to-face. And so uh, just understand the culture that we're in. Not bad, just be aware of it. Um, Here's the deal, don't allow counterfeit community to rob you of authentic community that God designed for you. That's really the bottom line here. All throughout the Bible, have you noticed there's this, this thing where like, there's this laying on of hands. I don't know what your, how charismatic your church background is, but like you can't deny it. Like they laid hands on each other to, to, uh, to impart spiritual gifts. They laid hands on one another to pray for healing. There's a physical touch aspect of relationships and community that means something. And we're all wired different. Some, for some people, it's huge. Physical touch is like, like their primary love language. For others, you're like, ah, it's not really my thing, but it's still a necessary part of human existence we need to make sure that we are not outsourcing our relationships to something that is on a screen because it's not how we're designed to exist. And you can argue me, argue with me, but I would then just say, are you fulfilled in your relationships if all you do is, is find relationships in digital community? So friendship is not, or friendship is an enemy, elementary pursuit, the first cultural value. Second one is digital community. The third cultural value that we just need to be aware of, again, not evil, just not helpful, is this, this value that convenience is king. Convenience is king. It's really kind of maybe should go before the digital community because it often is the, it was the precursor to digital community. Like it's easier to uh, text than it is to call, than it is to show up at somebody's house. So con- convenience is king. But let me show you just in the, in the variety of ways that this shows up, right? Um, we talked about this maybe in the silence and the solitude and the rest and the slowing our pace down a little bit, but let's just think logically. Not all, not every uh, culture on the planet drove to work. In fact, most people in the history of people uh, walked to wherever their place of employment was. And there was community and there was slowness and there was seeing people. Now we speed right past people. Um, and then once upon a time, there was like, you'd park in front of your house or in your driveway. But now we got garages and we got attached garages. And so now because of convenience, we just pull right, we drive into our house and shut the door behind us. And we never even see our neighbors. We could go months without acknowledging the presence of the people who like in a linear, if you drew a linear line from where you sleep to where your neighbors sleep, there's people who might sleep 60 feet away from you. Or if your bedroom's on the same side of the house, 20. That's weird to think about, isn't it? I think about weird things. And and you may not have even acknowledged their existence in a year. How weird is that? I'm not saying it's bad per se, but some of the conveniences that we have have eliminated the natural uh, context for community. Now, uh, working from home is a thing. Fantastic. It gives you less travel time and more time to do beneficial things like hobbies or time with friends and family. It's fantastic. But you know what? Every convenience has a cost. One is you just aren't with people. Or then there's services like DoorDash and Amazon. I don't even have to go outside to get, like the world comes to my doorstep. Netflix, I don't have to go to the movies anymore. The movies come to me. Like all of these, these conveniences, um, they're not, none of them are bad. I, everything, I don't know that I've used DoorDash, but the rest of them, I, I did all of those things are things that I use, but we just need to be aware. There are certain things in our culture that are not aligning or naturally leading to the community that we're desiring and that we're craving. We get the point, right? 
Matthew, or, or Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he said a couple things about his kingdom. And when I think about his kingdom, one of the things I think, is like, one of the ways I like to look at that is like the culture of heaven is one way I like to think about the kingdom of God. The, the Bible says a lot about, about it, but the kingdom of God, in, in my mind, is like, I really want to understand the culture. All right, if you're a missionary and you're trying to go into a new place, one of the first things you have to do is learn the culture so that you know how to like live there, right? If, if, if we are um, missionaries in this world, we ought to know the culture that we live in, but we know that one so well. <laughs> what we really need to remember is the culture from, of, of the kingdom of God. And Jesus came, he said, this is what the culture of the kingdom of God is like. And he talked about it a lot. But this is, what he, this is what, how he taught us to pray. In, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus taught us to pray this way. Your kingdom come, the culture of heaven. I'm praying that your culture in heaven, the way that things are in its perfection, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I want to, how does that happen? It happens when I begin to learn, understand, and live out the culture of God here on this earth, Right? later on in, in Matthew 6, 33, just a few verses later, you know, he's talking about don't worry about like the clothes that you're going to buy or the food that you're going to eat. He says this, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Here's the, the bottom line. Uh, what is he talking about when he says all these things? He's talking about food and clothing. The large majority of us haven't actually feared for lack of food and clothing maybe ever in our lives. Maybe some have. But few of us have. What are the things that we fear? What are the things that we clamor for? What are the things that we are, we are we're grasping at with every ounce of anything we can Because food and clothing is everywhere, readily accessible. You know what's not? Being seen, belonging, being known. They're not just weaknesses that I feel, and if I'm tough, that those things don't matter anymore. They're needs that God has created within me. It's okay to feel the longing to be seen, to, to belong, and to be known. And I believe that today God would say, listen, stop, stop clamoring for those and grasping for those. Seek first my kingdom and the way that I do things, and guess what? All these things are going to be added to you. So I believe on this, on this, this ancient paths journey, um, there are ways of God that are very, very practical. This is if we walk in them, th these kingdom, kingdom of God culture, it's going to produce in us the community that we're longing for. So let's look at those three things. I, I've got a, a, a slide up here. Um, these desires that we have, we want to be seen, we want to belong, and we want to be known. See, I believe that with each of those cravings, each of those desires, each of those longings, there is a, a, a discipline, a spiritual discipline that, that God has gifted to us so that we can grow in these areas. Now, let me, let me, let me preface what, where we're going right now, all right? These are not like quick tips to get the perfect community overnight. They're certainly not, do these three things and you'll find a soulmate by the end of the week, okay? They're, they're definitely not any of these. But rather it's like this. It's a foundation of a house doesn't make the house what it is. A lack of a foundation will inevitably allow that house to crumble, right? What we're talking about are foundation issues. 
And the problem is there's so many of us that have neglected these foundational disciplines that are, our, our walls are starting to collapse, okay? Reestablish those foundations and it's not gonna fix everything, but without them, it's, we're gonna continue to crumble. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of tools and things that we can do to grow our community and grow our relationships and enhance that. We're just starting at the foundational level. We need to sure up a few things. The, the, first, um, the first spiritual discipline that we're going to tie to one of these needs is we've got this desire to be seen. The first spiritual discipline is simply this, and it seems so silly, conversation. Conversation. This is something that I personally felt God was speaking to me several months ago as I realized, um, <clears throat> as I realized that I have a lot of interactions I have a lot of transactions with people, but I can go a long period of time without a meaningful conversation. Forget meaningful, without a superficial conversation. And by conversation, I don't mean something that happens on a text or a screen. On conversation, I mean I've looked at somebody and I asked how they're doing. I looked at somebody and I've cared how they're doing. Because of the conveniences king culture that we live in today, we move past people all the time. We, we, and, and actually, we move past fewer and fewer, fewer people, but we move past people all the time without ever actually saying, hey, how are you doing? We have, we're seeing a, a generation that's rising up that doesn't have normal conversation skills. And before we cast judgment, we're also seeing several generations who've grown up in this who've leaned so heavily now on digital communication that we've lost conversational skills that we once had. So let's be careful not to throw stones. I'm gonna give two keys to, this seems so silly, but we gotta do it. Two keys to conversation. Ask questions and actively listen. I'm gonna challenge you this week. Have a conversation with somebody you don't normally have a conversation with. Anybody hate making small talk? I'm the first one to raise my hand. I want to see, the, I want to see my I hate small talk hands. Let me see them. Let me see them. I am horrible at it. Of those people, anybody like instantly when you try to make small talk feel very, very insecure and inadequate and I don't know what to say and I don't know where to go with it? Okay. I'm still raising my hand. Okay. I'm gonna tell a little secret about everybody who just raised a hand. We are super selfish. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're honest here. We're just bringing our stuff out, right? Here's why I'm selfish. Why in the world am I so insecure about how I'm gonna look in this conversation? Before I've entered the conversation, I've made it about me. A good conversation I want to be seen. There's this deep desire in me to be seen. You know the best way to be seen? See other people. Stop wondering if they're going to ask you a question that you don't know how to answer. Who cares? Stop wondering if you're going to have anything in common. Who cares? See somebody and just ask them about them. Their mind is a vault of information that you probably don't have. Don't try to come across like you know all the things they know. Ask them questions. It's like the best tool for small talk. 
You don't understand something they said? Don't get insecure like, what are they going to think about me if I don't know the answer? Da, 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 da. Well, let's quit being selfish and just say like they need to be seen. So tell me more about that. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Hey, what's your favorite? Sometimes you just need a handful of like random questions to ask somebody for small talk. That's wonderful. But just have a conversation. Engage somebody. Because you know how much it means to you when you're in a crowd and somebody comes up to you and just asks you a question about yourself. We love to talk about us, don't we? Okay, fine. I'm not going to pass judgment. I love to talk about myself, all right? I, I, I said it. I have so much to say about me. I've got like 39 years worth of experience on myself. Like I will share any of it. But what if the point of conversation, what if the point of being seen, like, and again, it's not, it's not like a, you go have one conversation and you're going to have all your relational needs met. It's not going to work that way. But what if you built a discipline of just having one conversation with one person that you otherwise wouldn't have had? Do you, are you too busy to do that? Honestly, a voice-to-voice conversation isn't bad. Call somebody. But an interactive conversation with another human. Ask them questions and then listen. Here's where we get caught up on this, and you guys know it too. I listen, and what I'm listening for is a cue for something that I can connect my experiences with so I have a talking point. Right? Isn't that how conversation works? No, that's not how people feel seen. We're building a community here. So if you want to be seen, let's all practice this. And I'm going to make sure that I see you, and I see you, and I see you. So I'm going to ask questions about you. And when I'm in community and we're all doing this, inevitably I am going to sense that I am seen as well. Right? We don't do it for getting our needs met, but when we engage in these, these look at all the times that when Jesus uh, engaged people, he asked questions. Woman of well, will you give me something to drink? His disciples, when he gathered them together, who do the people say that I am? I mean, we could just keep on going on and on, but he, he engaged people by asking questions and listening to what they said. I spent too much time on that one, but let's go to the next. Because that's just simple. You're like, it's just conversation. It is, but it's amazing how, <laughs> how we avoid it like the plague. Right? Isn't, isn't this the universal symbol of don't talk to me? And then if you really want to double down, you put earbuds in. <laughs> Leave me alone. Hey, let's, let's, let's be a culture that is different than the culture of our world. Amen? All right. Let's engage one another. Easy communication is robbing us of healthy conversation. Let's do the hard work and engage people. Number two, my desire to belong directly corresponds to this discipline of fellowship. I'm going to give two keys to fellowship here. One is initiate time together. And two is intentional conversation. The conversation discipline is simply just to get the conversation moving, just to have dialogue, to interact, to to ask questions. And you have to have that before you can move into fellowship. So if we want fellowship, if we want richness in in, in our community, we have to take a step from having the one-on-one conversations into like being initiators. I've talked to so many, far too many people who are very, very frustrated about the lack of community in their own life who do not invite people into their life. We sit around and we wait for community. We sit around and wait for relationships to happen, but we don't take initiative. Or then we do take initiative, but we feel like we're always the one taking initiative. Can I, can I just, hopefully this is helps. You will probably have to take, in, know the culture we're in. The culture is not 
given to natural fellowship, to natural community, you will probably have to be the relational initiator for the rest of your life, even with your friends. Don't hold that against your friends. You cannot establish disciplines for other people. You can only be responsible with the choices that you make. If you want Acts 2.42, but you're going to grow tired of making the invite to break bread together with other believers, then you will not live Acts 2.42 very long. Do not, if you complain about, I don't have any friends, I don't have any community, but you don't invite, and nobody in church has ever been in your house, I'll, I'll listen to your complaints after you have at least uh, two or three people, individuals, families over to your house, and then we'll talk. Because if we're not actively engaging, if we're not disciplining our own lives in the direction of community, well, you get the point. Initial t- or initiate time together and also intentional conversation. This means, and this is hard, especially for guys. We, guys love, and women do this too probably, but I just, I'm a guy, so I know how this works with guys. We love to hide behind small talk. Like we, as much as we hate small talk, we will hide real issues behind small talk all day, right? The only thing we hate worse than small talk is actually talking about things that really matter to us. I don't really know why we do that, but we do. Um, and the women laugh. The guys are like, yeah, we do. Um, actually, you're talking a little too real right now. Let's just talk about the weather. All right. Be intentional in your conversations. Be brave enough after you say, hey, how you doing? And somebody says, hey, good, yeah. You can't do this all the time, but in the right context, when you've taken initiation, you've initiated time together, take that next step and say, man, how are you really doing? Here's one that really will get to the issue. Are there things that I can pray for you about? And then practice the conversation disciplines, ask questions, but initiate time together and intentional conversation. The third desire that we have is to be known. And I'll be honest, uh, this is the one that's maybe like the strongest and, and, and the discipline is going to be the hardest. And the discipline is confession. Um, I want to read some verses. Now, I know there's some, they're like, wait, confession, isn't that like what you do with the priests and the Catholic churches and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, And you know what? I bet when that started out, there was probably something healthy about it, and maybe there is still some healthy aspects in that as well. Um, But again, we we talked about this before. When we, we enter the realm of disciplines, just because somebody has not done it well doesn't mean the discipline in itself is broken. I want you to hear James. James chapter 5, verse 16 says this, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Not just forgiven, but God wants to heal the broken places in your heart. And part of that, and part of the freedom that Christ wants to offer us happens as we confess to one another. Oh, that feels a little bit too, no, that feels a little too biblical. But it requires some vulnerability. How about this one? I don't normally like to bring up verses of scripture that are really, really hard for me to really communicate, but here we go. John 20, 23. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. That's a weird verse of scripture, isn't it? 
And I can't unpack the whole thing for you because it's a little bit odd. But I can tell you this much. We can't ignore it. There is, there is something, and this is Jesus telling his disciples this, there is, there is something about community that, 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 that Christ has invited us to be deliverers of grace and forgiveness, of his grace and forgiveness to our brothers and sisters in Christ. He's invited us to be a part of it. And, and it's easy to be like, oh yeah, I will gladly give grace and forgiveness to anybody else as long as I'm not the one confessing. I, I, I want you to, to, to catch the struggle that we have here. I want to be known for who I am. I want to be able to bear my soul in front of people who know me and love me. Well, do you know what that requires? <laughs> people can't know you in your mess and still love you if they don't know your mess. We somehow think that people are going to automatically just know things and then love us despite but what happens is we hold back and we don't confess and we don't come forward. We don't allow the community of the body of Christ to be an extension of God's grace and forgiveness for us. We bottle up our own sins. We bottle up our own weaknesses. We hold people at arm's length because of it. And then we grumble because nobody accepts us for who we are. Do we see a little inconsistency with this? Confession is terrifying. But there's nothing that brings freedom. Like confessing to a brother and sister before the presence of God. Now listen, I'm not saying that you need to show up with a scarlet A on your shirt next week, okay? I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that we need to bear our souls to everyone in a church that says good morning. But I am saying you need people in your life. And, and let me tell you the keys, the keys to confession here are to be specific and sincere. I've been a, lot, a part of a lot of accountability things. Where it's like, hey, how are you doing, man? Oh, I did horrible this week. How about you? Uh, I did horrible too. Yeah, God, give us strength to not be horrible next week. Okay, that's not confession. That's weakness. There needs to be sincerity and there needs to be some specificity. You come to a brother or a sister who's mature in their faith, not perfect, but somebody you trust, you say, listen, I failed this week or I've been failing for a long time or I've still got brokenness in me. I, I need healing from God. I still deal with these thoughts. I'm still doing these activities. I've got this thing that nobody else sees and I've got to come clean. And James says, that he'll be healed. The prayer of the faithful, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Would you allow the forgiveness of God to flow through the, your brothers and sisters in Christ the way that God intended our community to be? So here's the deal. This is where we tend to feel the tension. I want to feel known. I want to be accepted. But 
<laughs> we get frustrated that we're not at level 100 when we've not taken step one. We don't even have conversations with people. If we don't have conversations, how can we ever feel like we have fellowship with the community? How can we ever feel like we're, we belong? And if, if, if we don't engage in the fellowship in the community of the body of Christ, how am I ever going to develop relationships deep enough to, to feel that trust in that level of confession? And then I feel, go around my life feeling unknown. Let's just start with a conversation. Let's start with seeing somebody else. Let's start by extending ourselves to somebody else in the way that we just wish somebody would extend themselves to us. These are disciplines. They haven't always, not in every culture, never every context has these necessarily always been disciplines. Sometimes certain cultures have just been, this has been natural, but it's not in ours. So we've got to make a choice. That, that craving and that, that starving for community, to be known, to be loved, to be accepted for who I am, it's not gonna be filled by wishful thinking. And you can't point fingers at other people for not receiving you if you've never offered yourself to them. Are we going to choose to create a culture, not even create, to mirror image the culture of heaven on earth as it is in heaven? Or we get swept away with what is normal. You know what else is normal? Loneliness and depression and isolation. If I want something abnormal in my community, I've got to live abnormally in my community. Friends, God has called us. This isn't a downer message. Listen, there is more hope in this message <laughs> because that deep heart ache that you have, let's just call it like it is. Let's pretend that we're not, that we're too mature for this. That ache that you have for a close friend, God sees it and he put it in you. Let's, let's, let's reject the notion that I don't need a best friend because that's what little children do. Hey, let's come like children and let's receive the gift God has for us. Let's be the community that God intended for us to be, amen? start with me. Father, we praise you and we thank you for your goodness to us. Your grace is overwhelming. God, the reality here is that we feel this. God, we, we, we're, we're going to be honest. God, we really feel this. Give us courage to act. We don't even need the courage to make great feats, but God, just the, the courage and the, the strength and the inspiration to just have a conversation, to walk across the room, to invite other people in, to be vulnerable enough to confess our fall, our shortcomings. God, this is your kingdom. This is your culture. This is your way. This is your family. This is your community. God, I want to live it, and I want to experience the fullness of what you have for me. God, I want us as a, as a church family to experience the fullness that you have for us. God, we hold nothing back. We take off the mask. We choose to engage, that we would taste in the richness of life together.
Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.